1: online in a guest directory, I just knew that I had to speak to her. And as usual, my gut was not wrong. Callie Mao is a relationship coach and an expert in creating deeply intimate relationships. Hailing from Alaska, Callie helps smart, driven women to stop settling for less than they deserve and start getting what they really want from their love life. After a successful legal career and seeing the aftermath of relationships ending in divorce, Callie saw the opportunity to be proactive and help people with their relationships to avoid legal process. I could have talked to Callie all day and saw that we had so much in common in our healing journeys and our desire to share conversations like this that can help so many women around the world. Welcome, Callie, to the Ethical Evolution.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Now, uh, we were just chatting off air. You're you're coming to us all the way from Alaska, which is um, a, a new part of the world for us uh, to, to chat to. So uh, thank you for joining us. Now, can you tell us who you are and what you do?
0: Yes. So I am a relationship coach and I help women in couples discover a deeper sense of intimacy, yeah, um, obviously, if it's a couple, it's or a married person or a person in a relationship, it's about taking that level of intimacy into their relationship. And if it's a single person, it's really about discovering what a deeply intimate relationship for them would look like, you know, how that's mm. best going to suit them in their life.
1: Mm. And, you know, this is something that I've not really covered a lot on this show. Um, and I, I know we've talked about sex and intimacy with other people uh, before on the show. So this is this is a whole new realm that we haven't dug into yet. So I'm keen to know what, what your mission is in the work that you do.
0: You know, my mission is to really help women and couples uh, discover what, what deep intimacy looks like specifically for them. Obviously all of us are different and every couple, every person is different. Every couple is different. And so I've always worked on the belief that there isn't a one size fits all. And so it's, I take my clients through a very deep uh, self exploration process to, for them to really get clear on um, who they are on a very deep level. And that allows them to share that person with with others. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that it's really just getting deeply to the core of who we are and, and what we want so that we can share it with people un, unapologetically.
1: Yeah. And um, I, I think it's interesting. Uh, what, what do you see um, – you know, with women that holds them back in relationships? So
0: I find that, you know, I think that women oftentimes tend to be more apologetic. Mm. And I think that generationally, I mean, going back in history, we've been very conditioned to be that way. Mm. Um even into uh, the forties, fifties, sixties, that generation there is, has always been sort of a mold of what a woman is supposed to look like, what her role is supposed to be. And so even back, you know, a generation or two um, beyond myself, it seems that, I mean, I remember growing up hearing the term, uh, you know, be a good girl. Mm. You know, this is what a good girl should do. Good girls don't hit, good girls don't say things like that. Mm. Uh, So it's still that mold of what a good girl looks like. And if you don't fit within that mold, then you should be
1: apologetic
0: about who you are. Mm. And I don't, I I don't believe that. I don't find that that's the case.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because I've been having a lot of conversations um, with with women around my age um, recently, and we had a bit of a revelation in that, um, you know, uh, as you were just saying, you know, there's all these years of um, oppression where we've been held back and, you know, almost to to be a second-class citizen where, um, you know, we look at later in life when we get into our 40s and 50s and even the term menopause itself Mm -hmm. like there's no you know like we just kind of went "Mm, what's going on here um so you know when we let go of all that stuff um some people have told me that um you know when we let go of all that stuff that holds us back you don't end up getting menopause which is I know this is a little bit off track but there's there's you know correlation there I was like wow mind blown
0: yes Mm. yeah I So I myself kind of went down this journey of self-exploration. I was forced to Mm. uh, basically because I had suffered with uh, almost crippling anxiety for a number of years. Mm. And I got to the point where I was having anxiety attacks daily, multiple times a day for months mm. and i knew that i needed to to figure it out yeah and i remember going to see a therapist for the first time and the first session that i went in and started talking to her about what i was feeling and what was going on in session 1 she said oh you're codependent that's your problem
1: ah uh-huh. and <laughs>
0: You know, to which I think I had replied, oh, no, 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 you don't know me. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a very independent woman. I'm I'm not codependent. And sure enough, she gave me a handout and said, you know, read this before you come back next time. And uh, in true anxiety-ridden procrastination fashion, I had read it about an hour before my next meeting with her. <laughs> and... Sat down and kind of went, Oh my gosh, she pegged me. Yeah. My whole life I had been conditioned to really think that I wasn't good enough, that I there was something wrong with me that Mm. I had to apologize for who I was and how I was. And the idea as I went on my own self-healing journey. The idea of letting all of those, everyone else's expectations go was the most liberating thing of my entire life.
1: Mm. Yeah. Very freeing. And even uh, for you, (laughs) I mean, you weren't always um, a coach either, were you? You had a a background in legal and you actually saw the, the outcomes from where relationships had gone wrong, right?
0: Right. Yes. So I... I was a teen mom myself.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I had my son when I was 16 years old. And I, uh, I graduated high school and I knew that I wasn't the kind of person that was going to settle for less because I had a child young. Mm. So luckily, um, I had a family that was willing to help me with, sometimes I had to take night classes to go to college and, you know, I had a family that was willing to help me out with taking care of my son. So, I wanted to go get a, basically a degree that I could get quickly feel like I could, you know, make a decent living and support my son. And I had chosen, uh, work, working as a paralegal or getting my paralegal degree because I'd always been fascinated by the law. And because I went through a custody suit at 18 with my son. Wow. So I had done my internship in a family law office and, and, you know, seeing the results of many, you know, divorces and broken relationships. And as I started doing my own self healing journey, it was like it had all, all of these pieces of the puzzle had tied together. And I had seen, you know, exactly. It was. I was able to figure out, you know, why, why did I get pregnant at 16? It wasn't just a happening. It was, there was a whole psychology behind mm. it. And the idea of going into the legal background was almost a way for me to protect myself if that situation ever came up again. And so, you know, then kind of shifting gears to wanting to Take a more preventative and proactive approach, um, and not just deal with the aftermath of broken relationships, where the attorneys do get out. Mm. I mean, it's never it's never a fun process. It's always hurt feelings. It's always you know bitterness and um, you know brokenheartedness to a you know to a certain extent.
1: Yeah. And I love that you've taken yeah. that experience and you've turned it around to something where it's proactive and you can actually help, you know, circumvent some of those circumstances happening. I think that's an amazing. Yes.
0: Thank you. I love that. I, <laughs> thank you. I, I'm just, once I started, like I said, really going down this healing journey myself and realizing that, you know, I didn't need to apologize for who I was. I kind of went down the codependence train. (laughs) It took me down this path. And I had learned so much about um, all of these bad behaviors that I was um, kind of partaking in that were unhealthy and were hurting my relationship without m- me even knowing it. Mm. And so, so as I started to heal myself and uh, heal my relationship, uh, you know, realm and that piece of myself, it's I, I kind of was able to create a framework that allowed me to really take people from, you know, a place of hurt or loneliness uh, to a place of self-acceptance. And um, because I really truly do believe that we're all just incredibly beautiful in our uniqueness Mm. and being able to take that, and share it with someone, um, I think is, you know, incredibly, you have to be brave to do it. I mean, love is always a risk. It's always Mm. a gamble to let someone in and hope that you don't get hurt, hope that you don't get disappointed. Yeah. Um, but there are all of these kind of moving parts and pieces to relationships that, um, that I love and that, I just wanted to help others through so that they could live a more meaningful life. Because, you know, as I was getting into this, I, I said, if I did nothing more than help like five people, mm. you know, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. that's still a win, you know, yeah. <laughs> of course I want to help more than five people, but you know, it's like, there's no number helping one person, is enough, You know, I would love to make a difference, you know, with everyone throughout the world, you know, so that people don't can release their shame. And um, I think that, you know, and I and I'm not sure what the what the divorce rate is, you know, over where you're at. But here in the U.S., it's alarmingly high.
1: Yeah, it is here, too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I just I find that such a shame.
1: Yeah, and I've also heard um, uh, through some recent conversations that that's spiked even more through COVID. Um, so, you know, um, no doubt <laughs> COVID's a busy time around relationship counselling as well. So, um, you know, I, and I think you just helping one person, the, the lives that they touch, you're, you're actually helping many. So, um, yeah, I and I think, you know, going back to what you were saying before about, you know, this conditioning um that we have, um, as women, um, a lot of the time we just, you know, we get into this culture where we, we have to fit in with our friends and we have to be in a relationship. We have to get married. We have to have kids. Um, but that isn't always the blueprint for every woman. And I think if, you know, we understand that and let go of that conditioning, it makes us much more all right with ourselves. And, um, I know for me, um, you know, through my twenties, I, I also was like, yeah, I've got to get married. I've got to have kids. And I was just, you know, hitting roadblocks every time because I knew in my gut, that was not my blueprint. And of course right. it was just disaster after disaster after disaster. And I was like, oh, so it's me. <laughs> it's not them, <laughs> you know? So how do you help women let go of that, that culture that they have to fit in and, 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 you know, be like their friends?
0: You know, I think that the way that I help women sort of through this problem is understanding that what healthy self-esteem can look like. Mm. So I believe that we all have our healthy and unhealthy messages. And so one of the things that I do with my clients is really pinpoint what are the unhealthy messages that you struggle with, you know? and um myself personally the the unhealthy message of i'm not good enough mm. that one that one was strong for me and uh so As we learn, again, because we're all different, so our struggles are different, as we learn to identify these unhealthy messages, I mean, it's got to start by identifying and noticing that they're even there. Mm. So we explore what's, you know, what's really going on there, identify those unhealthy messages, and then start doing work around healing those messages because, I think that women will find that as they as they heal their unhealthy messages and really start dissecting them they'll they'll realize that the cause of those messages it's not even really them mm. you know it's it, it's something that they have learned it's something that they have been conditioned to think you know that I'm not good enough you know that didn't come from me, you know, we're not born with those messages. Exactly. Where they're taught to us. Yeah. So I think that as we learn to heal within ourselves, we become more confident in who we are, and in gaining confidence, we can let go of others' expectations for us.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: Because we're more assured in who, you know, who we are internally.
1: Yeah. And I think um, also when you're relying on that validation from someone else rather than yourself, that's when it all falls apart. And when you can learn to, you know, um, not have to rely on someone else that, and that you're okay being alone, I think that's a big part as well as a lot of people don't want to be alone and they're not okay with being alone with themselves.
0: Right. And, and, and I think that it's important to realize that the idea of loneliness is scary, Mm. you know, for most of us, because um, we as humans are meant to be pack animals, Mm. right? There's strength in numbers, right? So the bigger the tribe we have, the, the more it ensures our survival. We're pack animals. So if we're alone, then the internal message that can be playing in our head is that there's something wrong with me. Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> there there's typically some stuff there. So at least by being with someone, I'm receiving some kind of validation that... I can't be that deficient, right? Mm,
1: yeah, and and you know, going back to what you were just saying as well about um, those those messages or that you tell yourself, you know, like being conscious of those, like they they're just like an autopilot that we don't even recognize that they're even there or what they're saying, you know, and the stuff we say to ourselves we wouldn't say to anybody else.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I I very much uh, practice on, you know, a mindfulness base and cultivating that mindfulness muscle
1: Mm.
0: uh, is necessary. Mm. I think that it's necessary to ensure our own internal happiness. But even when we're talking about in the context of a relationship, you have to be mindful about your, you know, yourself, your actions, your thoughts, your, I mean, your words, uh, because they're going to be perceived by your partner Mm. in one way or another. So if you want to stick your head in the sand and, (laughs) um, and put on those blinders and, and pretend that your, anything that you say or do is okay. I think that it's a very, uh, Blind way to to go
1: through life, mm, exactly. And you know, just having that consciousness can be hard when you've never done that for a, for a long time and you've been conditioned that way. I know um, through my healing, I, I um, went through a couple of years of sound healing, and um, you know, I I was at the point where I couldn't even describe my feelings when I started, and I was like, oh, is that what these things are? <laughs> you know, and <laughs> and then it was like, oh oh, I actually recognize all this stuff now. And, oh, I can hear all these things I'm saying to myself. And, you know, to get to a point where I actually had self-acceptance after a year and a half of therapy, I was like, oh, is this what this is like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's huge.
0: Absolutely, it's mm. huge. I mean, and, and you're right. I think that there are so many people that, um, I mean, I know that for myself personally before I went down this journey, down my self-healing journey, I too, I, it was like I had been living my entire life on autopilot. Mm. And it's almost like waking up and realizing that you've been sleeping your whole life.
1: Absolutely.
0: And so, you know, if I did nothing else but help people just wake up... <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, that, that would be huge. Mm. That would be huge. Um, Because again, the more, the more awake we are, the more self-aware we are, the more we can live with intention.
1: Mm. And, you know, it just, it boggles my mind how many people there must be out there who live in that state every day and and live an entire life that way, not knowing or not feeling. Um, That just blows my mind. Yes. We need you to get out there, Kelly, and sort that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing what I can. <laughs> now, um, can you can you tell us about some of the people that you've worked with, um, and and the difference that it's made?
0: Yeah. So, um, I I work with, like I said, mostly women, uh, but I do work with couples as well. Um, I have a, uh, a client that when she came to me, well, for, for the sake of this story, we'll call her Sarah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and when she came to me, she was right on the heels of, um, a breakup, actually ending an engagement. Wow. And, uh, obviously when you end a relationship, you know, whether it's a marriage or an engagement or even a long term, you know, just dating, when you end a long-term relationship, that's typically pretty hard Mm. because oftentimes if we're in a long-term relationship, we've at least imagined a future with this person. And especially if you've, you know, gotten engaged or if you're married, you've thought about forever. And so when you get out of a relationship like that, you are pretty distraught. Mm. And, and she came to me, um, you know, obviously upset and I, I helped her I think, you know, when I have somebody in a situation like that, I think the first thing that has to be addressed is, you know, the grief,
1: Mm.
0: you know, we can't, we can't go anywhere and make any progress if we don't acknowledge what's going on in the moment. Mm. And so, Mm. you know, step number one for me was really to help her through the grief process and really allowing yourself to grieve the loss of something you thought was going to be. And so once we sort of got through that, it was a self-exploration journey. And again, really tying it back to those, you know, we dig deep into those unhealthy messages and really, and don't get me wrong, it's not easy work. Mm. It's uncomfortable because people... You know, when we're talking about uncomfortable feelings of shame and guilt and, you know, the kind of your your deepest fears, mm. it takes a certain level of trust with a coach. I was sharing that to anyone that they're not going to judge you for it. You know, they're not going to shame you for it. Um, But really allowing yourself to explore those feelings so that you can start to heal them is where we begin. And in really allowing somebody to get to a healthy self-esteem so that we can start down the self-exploration process of who you are unapologetically. Mm. And as we do that, you know, then we're able to, like I said, allow someone else in to share that. And and now today, you know, she's far, far removed from the toxic relationship that she was in and just recently got into um, a new relationship and uh, with somebody who's been a good friend to her and, and treats her well. And she asserts herself and is able to ask for what she wants and say what she thinks and be unapologetically herself in a very genuine way. And that is, that's everything.
1: Yeah. That's amazing. That must feel so rewarding for you to see that happen.
0: Thank you. Yes. um, It is. I mean, this is precisely the work that I got into this business to do is yeah. to help women exactly like her go from a place of pain to a place of confidence and, you know, assertiveness uh, so that they can just live their life. Mm. And, yeah. you know, I find that oftentimes, like I say the word assertiveness, and I feel like it has sometimes for people, a negative connotation behind Mm. it. Yeah. And I always, I've I've had this conversation with more than one person that, more than one woman that says like, I don't want to be labeled as assertive though.
1: Mm. Because then they seem like a bitch, aren't they? Like everybody thinks an assertive woman's a bitch.
0: They're not. Right, exactly. (laughs) Right, exactly. And, and And I always have to kind of put in there assertive doesn't mean aggressive.
1: Mm.
0: You know, assertive doesn't mean abusive. You can't assert yourself while you're harming other people and and call that assertiveness. Mm. You know, that's aggressiveness, that's abusive.
1: Mm.
0: Assertiveness is saying, you know, saying what you want or sharing how you feel or being you but not intentionally harming other people in the process. That's assertive. And I think assertiveness is, we, we should all strive for that.
1: Yeah. And that's a, that's another thing that I've spoken with a lot of wim, women about lately is, um, you know, women who are self-aware and, um, you know, are, are assertive and unapologi- unapologetically themselves um, and they stand up for what they believe in, can be seen quite intimidating. And I find uh, some people find me intimidating because of that. And particularly men now um, say they're actually scared of me. And I'm like, I'm not going to hurt you.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I kind of wonder, so I have two thoughts around that. Women, I think, find the assertiveness uh, piece of that, if they find assertiveness intimidating, I think that that speaks more to their own insecurity than to anything else. Mm. Um, for men, I think assertiveness, you know, you know, and I, I hate to be labeled as a man hater because I'm not,
1: Mm.
0: (laughs) but I think that oftentimes men can, um, see an assertive woman and, um, and think it like, it's almost worrisome for them because they're not going to be able to get away with as much Mm. with an assertive woman as they would with a codependent woman.
1: Yeah. And they're also not used to it, are they?
0: Right. Exactly. I mean, if we're just talking about and again, I am not at all immune.
1: No, no, me neither. <laughs> but if
0: we're just talking pure statistics, women tend to be more codependent. Men tend to be more narcissistic. Mm. And that's not everyone. I've met narcissistic women. I've yes. met codependent men. Yeah, so it's not and always. But when we're talking about majorities, men tend to be more narcissistic because it's about me it's about what I want it's about you know (laughs) that kind of stuff so when you have an assertive woman that again isn't aggressively but just assertively gonna say I'm not gonna put up with your crap (laughs) some men don't like that
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah. It's, it's so fascinating. I I just love watching it, you know, um, and then there's particular men I know in my life who who they, they actually, you know, are quite forward and saying, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit scared of you. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know why, don't know why I'm a big teddy bear. Um, (laughs) so it's, it's (laughs) really fascinating. I, I love that whole dynamic. Um, but what I'm curious about is, um, you know, in the work that you do, um, helping people through relationships and, and whether they're starting one or ending one, what do you reckon is the biggest challenge that you've faced and how have you overcome it?
0: Um, I think that the biggest challenge that I face is really getting people to talk about their relationships. Mm. I feel like nobody really wants to admit when they have a problem in their relationship. Exactly. It's very it's it's like talking about your relationship and again going back a generation. I remember hearing people say you don't air your dirty laundry. Yes, you know. <laughs> and I find that to be so ridiculous because again we're we're making something that is normal seem not normal. Yeah everyone has problems in their relationship. There is no relationship that is perfect. I mean, I'm a relationship coach and guess what? I fight with my husband sometimes.
1: (laughs) We're only human, (laughs) you know? know?
0: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Uh, We're never going to see eye to eye with our partner on all issues. And so, you know, by people pretending like, oh, there's no problem here. Nope. Everything's great because they find the subject of talking about their relationship taboo or for fear of judgment because people, oh, people are going to think this or think that um, for whatever reason, that seemed to be my biggest struggle around this issue and actually being a relationship coach is to get people to just admit when there is the problem or talk about when there's a a problem, you know, kind of normalizing that because it is normal.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's fascinating that you say that because, um, I think it might've been late last year. I spoke with a, um, uh, sex and intimacy coach from the UK and she pretty much said the same thing, you know, nobody, wants to talk about sexual intimacy. It's the same with relationships. You know, um, it's like we, again, are conditioned that, you know, (laughs) there's this culture that you have to find your soulmate and, you know, relationships aren't an effort and it'll all be, you know, love hearts and roses and all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, that's not the real world. Um, it's, you know, relationships take work. They're not perfect. There's no such thing. And, you know, I just, again, why are we, um, putting relationships into this kind of category where no, no, not talking about that. not none of your business. Um, I mean, this is how we, we grow and help each other.
0: Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Through conversation. Yeah. And by, and I think, I think that what feels like such a shame for me, um, you know, in this realm of what I do is that there is still so much shame around it. Mm. You know, if you don't have the perfect relationship, then, uh, sorry, using air quotes, the perfect relationship, uh, (laughs) you know, then you, again, those internal messages can go off. Oh, well, you know, is it something wrong with me? Is it something wrong with my partner? Is there something wrong with us? You know, are we going to make it? All of these things start happening. And it because you don't feel normal in it, it creates this barrier of loneliness. Mm. So then not only are you hurting, but now you're alone and hurting.
1: Yeah. And then, you it's, know, for people who, who yeah, aren't going. To be like that. Yeah. For people who are going through a breakup or a divorce. And I mean, it, it can be hard for them to talk about that because of the level of shame that goes with it. They feel like they're a failure. They feel like they couldn't make it work.
0: Right. Right. And, and I, like I said, I don't think that that's at all the case. No. I, I think that the, and, <laughs> I work more, again, I work more with women, Mm. but I really, really hope to normalize this topic, normalize this discussion, because I do want men to be a part of the discussion. Mm. You know, I think that when women tend to be more open about their feeling. I mean, even then when we're talking about relationships, it can be a struggle, but women, I think, tend to have more practice about talking about their feelings. Men um, can often be, <laughs> uh, that can be a bigger struggle sometimes, yeah. for some of them, yeah, not all. Yeah. Um, but the more we talk about this and normalize it and have everyone kind of come together and just be part of the discussion, the less shame there is around it.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if people were going to make a decision to to come and see someone like you, um, it it most likely would be the woman who would instigate that and start that conversation. Um, And again, that's, that's a generalization. (laughs) Um, But Uh, there would be a lot of people who would go, Oh no, I don't, I don't need, I don't need relationship help. I'm, I'm good. I'll sort it out myself.
0: Right. Absolutely. So, uh, the, the marriage coaching and that, that I do. And, um, actually I'm in the process of creating my online course and it is designed for exactly that scenario Mm. for The woman that would come and say, I want help in my marriage, but my husband doesn't necessarily want to participate. Yeah. So let me help you, you know, get through this, navigate this, you know, one on just coming from one side. Mm. And, and again, really, you have to understand that you're never going to be able to make someone do something they don't want to do. So if your partner says, I don't want to do, you know, marriage coaching with you, I don't want to do a course with you, you're not, forcing them into it probably isn't going to be fruitful. No. Uh, so you can have to be able to control what what within your control you know focus on that mm. so if the goal is to help my marriage but my partner doesn't want to participate okay well let's you know take control of what we can take control of and do the work yourself you know and go through that self exploration and again that's part of what i do as a coach is in that scenario, when I, when I have a married person whose partner isn't participating, I help them go through the self exploration, but then I also help them say, okay, you know, for this subject, where do you think your spouse would fall? You know, here, how do you think that they would identify here? How would you identify them here? And, So, that even if the spouse isn't necessarily participating, it gets that person who is participating thinking about, oh, yeah, I can see that, you know, maybe my husband, you know, gets really, you know, walled up around this issue. Or, you know, it helps them to identify, you know, what the other person might be experiencing so that they can. Address that situation with more clarity, more compassion, because oftentimes in relationships, you know, we're we're kind of focused on ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so really just being able to step back and look at your partner's perspective can create a lot of room. For, for compassion and deeper intimacy, mm. even when only one person is is working on it.
1: Yeah, that's incredible, and I think that's a, a great great idea that you've put together there. Because um, I reckon I know so many women who uh, would benefit from that. Um, I've had so many <laughs> friends come to me, and and you know, it's it's basically just um, an unload about their partner. <laughs> Yeah. And I can oh, see, absolutely. yeah. And they're like, and you're like, well, um, yeah, there's two in the relationship. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think there's so many women who could benefit from that. And, you know, again, understanding that if we can put ourselves in the other person's shoes and have some compassion and understanding, um, that's where it all comes together.
0: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
1: Okay. <laughs> What's now? I want you to define for me what being ethical means to you.
0: Okay. To me, mm. ethical means living with integrity, and integrity might look different to different people. Mm. And that, I think, is going to be dependent based on that person's values. So, again, it it probably sounds very much like a politician's answer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think that there there's not necessarily, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, a black and white answer because we are all different. Mm. And so I feel like if we were all living truly by our moral code, by our values, living with integrity, it would be a more ethical world.
1: Mm. Yeah. And I always say, I love that question because there's no wrong answer. There really isn't. <laughs> okay, <good>. I passed. <laughs> it's no wrong answer. It's not a test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, um, Absolutely. what uh, you were talking about, um, the the courses that you've got. Um, what are you working on at the moment, or what do you got coming up?
0: So I have been working, what feels like nonstop on these courses. I. Last fall, I launched my dating course mm-hmm. and had a group of single women uh, go through that. And that was just a, a hoot. Like, the, I honestly could not have asked for a better group of women because these women were courageous and brave and open and you just can't ask for you know for more than that you know um again it takes a very a large amount of trust to mm. do to participate in this kind of work so that was great and on the heels of doing my dating course I shifted gears and started creating my marriage course which I am in the midst of doing and that is set to launch May 1st. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very excited to be offering that and sort of while I am creating that simultaneously, I am also co-writing a book uh, on stay-at-home moms for stay-at-home moms and how they can create more, uh, independence, uh, from within the home and myself as a stay at home mom, uh, before I I started my coaching business, I, I took a a break from the legal and was staying at home with my little children. I've got three boys.
1: Wow. (laughs)
0: And yeah, yeah, it's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, then I, you know, went through a certification program, got certified, started my coaching business. And so the, the subject of being a stay at home mom is very dear to my heart Mm. and I know what a job that is. So, uh, what I discuss, what I'm discussing in the book is, uh, again, a lot of this stuff that we've been talking about on how being a stay-at-home mom can make you feel dependent on your relationship Mm. and how that changes the dynamic.
1: Mm.
0: And so really just helping women through that. And um, yeah, I'm juggling all of the things right now.
1: (laughs) You sound like me. (laughs) (laughs) And I, can I just say, I'm not surprised uh, that you're doing a book. I, I thought that was going to come out. And uh, yeah, so I, I could see that happening for you <laughs> without even knowing think. it. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, Callie, if people want to find out more about you, where can they go?
0: They can find more of me. I am on Instagram at Callie Mao Coaching. I also have a Facebook page for my coaching business that is also Cali Mail Coaching. And then you can go uh, to my website that is calimalcoaching.com. And I do uh, one hour free consultations for people uh, around their relationships and really just helping them get clear on what deeper intimacy in their life looks like, whether I, I say their relationship, but I really mean the relationship realm, whether they're married or dating or single and really helping them get clear on that. They mm. can go to my website.
1: Sounds amazing. And I did check out your website, actually. I, I stalked you a little bit before we chatted. So <laughs> <laughs> um now just, just on that, um uh, you know, relationships in that realm. Um, I guess probably, um, one of the things that you come across a lot is, um, you know, people who are single like myself, um, who, um, probably need to get a greater understanding about the relationship with themselves. Right. Mm.
0: Absolutely. So it's funny that you say that because one of the gals, that had done my dating course in the fall. I had spoken to her. She had, you know, booked a free call with me prior to starting the course or signing up for the course. And she had told me that she is single uh, by choice at the moment. Um, She had just gotten out of a relationship and wasn't looking to directly get into another one. But, you know, somewhere down the road. And so she had signed up to do the, the dating course anyway. And she had, she, this woman, like, she's my, she's my star people. I mean, <laughs> she was just, she was probably the person that attacked the, the program with the most, intention and vigor and she just genuinely showed up Mm. and she was amazed because she had verbalized that she had gotten so much out of it just by going through the exploration process and really really getting clear on what she's looking for you know who she is and and what she's looking for and how those things can come together so that when she is ready to be in a relationship that she knows that with with great clarity what is going to work best for her so that she can again authentically and unapologetically be herself because that's how we're going to have the deepest relationship
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who are single who think they're a a bit of a loser or a failure because they're not in one. Um, But, you know, I think if you can, you know, be okay with the relationship with yourself, that is just as rewarding. Um, And yeah, and I think when when you can do that, it does make it easier for you to not accept less than you deserve when you do find someone who can be a part of your life
0: absolutely mm. because and the the more unapologetic you are about about who you are mm. the, the less willing I think you're going to be to compromise pieces of yourself for someone else
1: yeah yep that's me that is me <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah all right and that's so,
0: that's great I think that's I I hope that more women can do that. Mm. You know, I hope that more women can really just get to know themselves and not only get to know themselves, but really learn to love themselves because then you don't need the validation from someone else.
1: No, you don't. (laughs) Not at all. No. (laughs) No. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely um, freeing as well. If, if women can reach that state with themselves, like, yeah, it's, there's no other freedom like it.
0: Absolutely. Mm. Yes. And, and for me, that was, you know, very much my own journey as well. Mm. You know, I don't, I don't teach anything that i you know don't practice myself that's it i definitely practice what i preach
1: <laughs> yeah and and as coaches we only take people as far as we've gone right
0: right mm. absolutely mm. so you know i think that waking up and learning who you are and accepting who you are um the good and the bad yeah you know There's always room for improvement and I, you know, and I think that it's great that we continuously work on ourselves, but it's not like I'm without my dark side. It's not like you're probably without your your shadow side. (laughs) (laughs) We all have our stuff, um, but being aware of it and accepting it and just practicing some mindfulness around it, I think goes a really, really long way. and then as we let others into our life, whether it's whether that's romantic relationships or friendships mm. um, or family relationships or any kind of relationship, mm. you know, the more centered we are, the better relationships that we're gonna have because we're just not going to accept less than what we're worth.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it's absolutely fascinating what miraculous beings we are. If we can just accept the good and the bad about ourselves and also recognize those things that we're willing to work on, um, that we know we can do better at.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, you're, you're a coach and I'm a coach and, you know, we, we still have our stuff.
1: Absolutely. And
0: And that's okay.
1: And it's an (laughs) evolution.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. You know, a friend of mine, uh, as I was like scrolling through Instagram one day, a friend of mine had posted something about how you can't speak butterfly talk to caterpillar people.
1: (laughs) Oh, oh,
0: yeah. And I. and that resonated very deeply for me, mm. and uh, and I remember commenting on it, and she had responded to me with something something along the lines of "You, my friend, are a butterfly," and I remember kind of sitting and thinking about that for a moment and thinking, you know, I don't know that I'm a butterfly yet, but I'm at least in the
1: cocoon. <laughs> <laughs> It is so funny you say that because I actually, um, as part of my healing, probably about two years ago, um, I wrote a blog and it was all about the opening of that cocoon and the butterfly coming out. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Unbelievable.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If I can just be in the, I, and I know, I know it, you know, one day I'm going to be fully emerged as a butterfly, but I'm content being in the cocoon right now. Mm. (laughs) I'm still growing. I'm still developing. That's okay.
1: Every day we are, aren't we? Yeah. Now, Kelly, I've got the last big question for you. And um, I think I know what you're going to say, but anyway, let's see how you go. (laughs) What's the change you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life?
0: I would like to see everyone, every person in the world be more self-aware, mm. be more intentional because uh, if the world was full of people that focus less on judging others I think that shame would disappear yeah and in a world without shame there's a whole lot more love
1: oh my god I love that I love it (laughs) let's get on that
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes absolutely so uh, self-exploration self-actualization Mindfulness, healthy self-esteem, bring it all on. (laughs) Hell yeah,
1: let's do that. (laughs) As you were saying that, I was just thinking, imagine never feeling shame. Imagine never feeling that. Wow, what a life. What a life. Yes,
0: absolutely. If shame was eradicated, think of the world that we would live in. Yeah. It's Amazing.
1: Amazing. (laughs) well just like that you are too kelly thank you so much for being a part of the ethical evolution
0: thank you so much for having me it was such an honor to be on here with you
1: thanks for listening to the ethical evolution podcast if you're an ethical business owner change maker or holistic healer who's determined to make a change in the world and you need support to spread your message visit ethicalchangeagency.com to collaborate